Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Secure Talk. My name is Mark Schreiner, and I'll be your host for this episode of Secure Talk. Today, we're going to be talking to Mr. Garth Landers, who is the Director of Global Product Marketing at Theta Lake. And we're going to be talking to Garth about some of the issues related to the use of collaboration platforms such as Microsoft Teams, Zoom, Slack, Ring Central, and I'm assuming some other platforms as well. And we're going to talk about maybe some solutions in terms of what companies can do to make the use of those platforms a little bit more secure. But before we do that, I want to say hi to Garth. Garth, how are you today? Great, Mark. Thanks for having us on. Look forward to the discussion. It's my pleasure. Hey, so um, whereabouts are you located? I'm based in Stamford, Connecticut, uh, here on the East Coast, about uh, 30 miles of, uh, east of Manhattan. Okay. Um, and so you guys are you, no strangers to cold, wintry, icy weather. Yeah, it's not too bad. I mean, you know, it's it's not quite New England. It's more part of the New York City metro area, and we're on the water, so... Uh, you know, we get it, but it's not its not like uh, our friends up in Buffalo or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just mentioning prior to hitting the record button here that uh, I'd been on a, a kind of an extended road trip, and I thought that I was almost home. The, the, the last great hurdle for me was getting through the Blue Mountains in Northeast Oregon and before the snow hit. It was you know, forecast for snow. I made it through, and then I got into Washington, and of course, it started freezing rain, and cars were slip sliding all over the place. It was dark. And after I got to like past 10 car crashes, two of them were upside down. I decided, you know what? I am going to pull over at the next uh, rest area or not rest area, but a little place that I can get a, a warm meal in a hotel and camp out. And so I did that and made it home safely today. And now it's blue skies and nice. But uh, anyway, it has nothing to do with security, but uh, we all want to be safe out there. Yeah, personal security for sure. Absolutely. Hey, so Garth, uh, you know, it, it seems that these days, especially post-pandemic, everybody is using multiple different collaboration platforms. I mean, just today, for example, I've been on a Teams call and a Zoom call. Uh, and then of course I'm using different chat tools like WhatsApp, et cetera, so on and so forth. So what are some of the security related issues um, related to the use of those platforms? Yeah, great uh, topic opener, Mark. So some of the issues related to that, um, obviously, you know, the the return to office and the hybrid workplace and people are, you know, back to being on the go and, and really communicating from anywhere. Um, and so we're having more of these sort of virtual meeting environments, discussions like you and I are having today. Um, you know, there's, there's some basics. I think there's a security aspect, there's a compliance aspect. Uh, from a security aspect, you know, you need to start to look at um, you know, your posture and your configuration settings around environments. You know, if you look at um, the, the way we work in a Zoom, for example, um, you know, there's a lot of decentralization and, and usage of those tools and you get configuration drift, right? So, you know, your security posture, your, your, your standards around requiring authentication into a meeting or using a waiting room um, or requiring a password, you know, those may change over time. So you want to make sure that you have that visibility and, and monitoring um, of that drift and that you can do remediation and change as needed. Um, 
obviously, you know, the way we work is high velocity, high volume with all of this data that's flowing through these great unified communication environments. And um, some of the risks can be, you know, uh, insider threat and really um, often, you know, negligence, right? I mean, the way we share files, links, passwords um, can be a little footloose and fancy free. And obviously that's not ideal. So, um, you know, there's a, there's a high trust factor. There's a lot of empowerment that's happened in the last few years. I think everyone knows about, um, you know, obviously the, the rush to empower and, and get everybody uh, powered up and, and working um, once we all had to go remote with the pandemic. And, and now we're two, almost three years past that. And, um, you know, the, the need to really start to establish control, establish standards, um, and gain visibility into those environments is, is really important. So do you see platform-specific issues you know, I mean, during the pandemic, the, the Zoom bombing thing was, uh, you know, a concern for everybody. But I, I'm assuming that that, uh, you know, aside from things like that, that you maybe do you see platform specific or just in general, the more of a, a higher level, these are some some concerns or best practices that are not being adhered, adhered to? Yeah, I don't think of it as really tool specific. Um, obviously, you know, there's been a lot of attention in the last, in the last year, in the last calendar year, especially this past summer, um, with WhatsApp usage in particular. And, um, here at Theta Lake, we, you know, service and work with and partner a large, with a large number of financial services firms. And, you know, we found, um, you know, in the past year that two thirds of the people we speak with. Um, you know, believe that employees and their companies are are using unmonitored communications channels like WhatsApp. So that's one that, you know, we saw in the headlines because um, the SEC, for example, and other regulatory bodies in, in, imposed, you know, uh, close to $2 billion in fines thus far with probably more to come because of um, usage of WhatsApp. But it's more a function of, you know, the employees, what they're doing, and you know what you decide to endorse and what you're looking to manage, and uh, while not hampering productivity, right? Because we don't want to get in the way of that, but um, not really platform specific, more you know, more behavior oriented. Okay, so I, I want to come back to some of the general best practices for you know these type of the use of these type of tools. Uh, but before that, I want to understand, you know, most, well, I would say most, I have no idea what the numbers are these days, but I would say a large percentage of the workforce, regardless of what industry we're talking about, people are using um, their own devices, BYOD, with also to access company information and data. And there obviously there are various different uh, MDM platforms out there that uh, allow companies to kind of control, at least in terms of the company apps, what they can do with the data, who they can share it with, when they can access it, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But when you talk about using something like WhatsApp on, let's just say my personal device, what are some of the, you know, 
I guess, best practices for companies to say, hey, you know what, we don't want you to put that on your device. Can you even say that? And if you do put WhatsApp on your device, what are what are some of the guidance in terms of how you use it? Yeah, well, that's, you know, so one of the things you can do, um, you know, you have to make the decision of whether you're going to endorse and sanction the usage of the platform. And from there, um, you know, how you're going to do that, how you're going to manage it, there's a there's a few different means. Um, if you look at it from a personal device standpoint and you've concluded, well, you know, users really want to do this and saying no uh, may not be enough because no matter what you do, they're they're going to use it. You know, they could use their personal device, for example. So, you know, in that in that scenario, what you might do is, you know, use a, a tool, an application like a Mobius, for example, and bifurcate the usage of the personal, you know, the, the device so that you have a personal number and personal identity and a work number and a work identity and and through that work number and identity um you know use deploy and ultimately capture the data that's flowing through whatsapp um and so you're sanctioning it you're monitoring it you're enabling it and the employee has the choice then to you know when they want to not be <laughs> uh you know when they want to be using when they want to use their sort of um their their not at work persona, which of course is, you know, we're, we're all blurring those lines, they can do that. Um, so that would be, you know, one way of sort of bifurcating work from personal. And then of course you have the means to, to really capture and retain and apply analytics to that data uh, so that you can detect risk and potential policy violations. And when you say, when because you know a lot of the platforms they will encrypt the data so i'm thinking of signal for example right uh, but when you say monitoring data you could be monitoring the volume of or whether or not files will be were being shared or things like that to detect kind of some type of anomalous or risky behavior absolutely you could you know you could in fact take a look at signal detection and 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 determine and infer or not infer but but understand identify wow you know, the work usage of, and just switching gears, you know, from a WhatsApp to, you know, they're using Zoom on the weekends and on their work computer and, and using Teams during the workday. What's going on there, right? So um, absolutely, there's there's things you can do um, and, and, and things to sort of start to draw correlations. I think that's where we're seeing, you know, kind of what's happening with with unified communications, mobile communications is, it's not always assume guilt, um, but it's let's take a look at the data and start to understand what's occurring and, and why it's happening. And once we've started to uncover, determine, um, identify that, you know, what steps do we need to take to, to enforce and encourage the behaviors we do want? Cool. You know, I, and I, I have a ton of questions about various different platforms out there, but I, I promise to start at a higher level and, and, and go speak more in general, like some general best practices. So let's back up a little bit further. I know that you, uh, Theta Lake, you guys just published a, a report where you surveyed, I believe it was over 500 compliance and security leaders at um, global organizations. Yeah. And, and you got some really interesting insights. 
what are what are some of the main concerns or trends that you uncovered while you were doing uh, putting together this report? Yeah, great question. And, and some really fascinating things came out of that. So one of the things that jumped right out at us, um, you know, is the way people work, right? And before we get to the risk element, just the way people are working, um, we found that 81% um, of people surveyed utilize chat today more than email. So you know, the chat in Teams, the in-meeting chat in, you know, Zoom or Cisco WebEx or Ring Central, um, Slack, you know, you can go on and on, but that has surpassed email usage, which is a huge generational shift. Um, and then similarly, not, not as quite a high number, but 63% are utilizing video more than email. So the way we work has really changed, right? We're going to, you know, sort of persistent chat applications where a dialogue can stop and continue over the course of days, weeks, months, potentially years. And then of course, utilizing video. So the risk that comes out of that, you know, what are the things that those respondents viewed as the riskiest, you know, uh, downstream effects were the transfer of files via chat. So that's where we're talking about sort of, you know, DLP um, and the ability to share links in chat or on screen. So, you know, those, those are, you know, common concerns that have, we've seen in the email world. And of course they've, they've transferred, uh, you know, to chat and video, which are, you know, just rapidly accelerating, um, and, and changing the way that people work. And subsequently, you know, folks are really seeing these gaps in coverage as a top challenge. And that that's kind of what I was, you know, trying to get to, um, you know, with the, the, we really enabled everyone two or three years ago now, but I think organizations have really, you know, figured out that, well, subsequently there's some gaps in coverage in terms of how do we, manage that data? How do we retain it? How do we do, um, you know, compliance review? And the realization that's happening is that 39% of the organization say that their sort of legacy tools that were built for email um, don't really keep pace with the way people work today. So that's, you know, that's to be expected. So there's a lot coming out of this. Um, but the way people have you know, change the way they work is is here to stay um, and just growing, it seems, in terms of, you know, work patterns and what everyone calls digital transformation, right? Just the way that they're blending these new elements into the way they work. Absolutely. So let me ask you, I, I, I know like with Microsoft Teams, for example, there are some security settings that you can, as an admin, you can select uh, including, you know, uh, different rights for different users, uh, file sharing restrictions, things like that. So, you know, are are you suggesting that there are security and monitoring? I guess, excuse me, it'd be like security and compliance, you know, needs that go above and beyond just the built-in security settings. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, those those capabilities that, you know, a, a Microsoft or other platforms have um, are really powerful and there's a lot of them, 
right? And and that's that's a good thing, right? Because as a platform, you have to give those types of choices and options to organizations, both large and small, and and you know in different verticals and in different geographies. So what we do um, and what we propose is you centralize that. So you really um, streamline the view of that security posture and you're able to remediate and affect change um, really quickly. You know, today organizations might not even know where a particular setting lives. Um, when you look at a, an ecosystem as powerful as Microsoft's, um, you know, you're talking about Azure, you're talking about Teams. Teams is a front end to um, every possible document creation tool, you know, in, in the Microsoft universe today and content creation tool. So, you know, centralizing and getting that visibility and, and suggested best practices, um, you know, which is what we do, um, is, is really important. Really to streamline that view, be able to remediate, um, you know, changes that you want to affect um, and, and really know where the security settings live. Um, you know, that rollout of features in Microsoft is always enormous. And um, you can imagine all of the applications in the Microsoft ecosystem and the impact that that has from a security posture standpoint um, for for everyone. So, does Data Lake or other any other tools out there kind of take a look at? And I'm just going to stay on the Microsoft example for a second. Take a look, for example, at the team settings security settings and flag things that, um, hey, you know what, you might want to turn this on or turn this off, or or is it just mostly monitoring activity? Um, no, it's it's both, you know, we just recently um, released a, um, a solution for Zoom in particular called Meetings Risk Manager, and it does both of the things that you just uh, identified. One is it gives you sort of a baseline look at where you are today and says, you know, here's what you're doing, here's how you're working. And then it also, you know, gives you suggested best practices and allows you to tailor um, also from a policy standpoint, you know, what you want to do. So, you know, if you want to always, uh, if you always want to require a meeting room, you know, a, a lobby, you know, for a, for a meeting, you can do that. If you want to um, always require, you know, authentication, you know, all those basics you can imagine. Um, the other thing that it does is I mentioned that, you know, the configuration drift is real. And in addition to establishing that baseline, you know, as you start to accumulate meeting data, um, you can start to look at and draw insights from, you know, meetings that have taken place over the past quarter, you know, six months, even year, and start to see, you know, kind of the downstream effects of the security posture you had at that time. Now, I don't want to get too much into product, but one of the things that's pretty neat about this is it does all of this without, you know, any sort of concerns about uh, privacy violations. So there's no you know, you don't need to record or archive all of these meetings and their video. You're, you're really um, extracting the metadata. And the last thing that you can do also is if you are conducting an investigation, 
you know, if you are looking at, um, you know, downstream risk, uh, you can start to identify when things that may cause concern um, are happening in real time. So for example, if, you know, we're sharing content um, and sharing a screen with a outside user outside of our network, that might not be a big concern. But if they're a outside user who didn't require a password and we're also, you know, sharing files, um, maybe that elevates the risk and you flag that for concern. So you can go and look at the meeting dynamics from an admin standpoint in real time as well. So that's pretty powerful. Um, you know, that's, that's something that we built for Zoom in particular, but it really looks at those two elements, the, the security configuration drift, and then also the real time meeting dynamics. That, that's, that's super cool. Yeah, I mean, I was just on a call this morning uh, while I was driving, it was a Zoom call and we had uh, internal uh, state uh, people, company, colleagues, <laughs> I'm, I'm losing my, my, uh, command of the English language here, but, uh, we had some, some people from in, inside our organization. And then we also had some external consultants and it was funny because you, 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 you notice, um, things differently when you're traveling and this zoom call required both the meeting ID, but then also a personal code to get into the meeting. So something like a password. And it was just that little extra kind of hurdle that made it annoying because I was in the car, you know, and then when I, if I lost a signal, I'd have to pull over and kind of log back in, but it's therefore to protect everything because we do have people from outside the company there. And I, I guess they just want to make it, sh make sure that somebody just can't kind of log in and kind of eavesdrop on the whole thing. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that you're, that uh, Theta Lake would, would flag something like that. Absolutely. You know, you might, you might even see something like, and this sort of goes again to the, might flag for you the fact that the meeting recording, the, the, me, the meeting started with recording and then 10 minutes in it went off and then it came back on five minutes later, right? That would be a potential, that might be a red flag. You'd say, well, why did that happen? Um, but absolutely, you know, from an authentication standpoint, yes. And, and again, you know, we have recommend recommendations um, in a policy engine, but also, you know, it's up to the organization to establish those baselines that they want because you don't want anything to be, you know, you don't want it to be noise wear or nuisance wear and and really hamper productivity. Either. Sure, makes makes a lot of sense. I, I notice in you in your description uh, of your of Data Lake, you say that you are a security and compliance solution provider. Tell me the different needs related to security versus compliance. Yeah, sure. So I would say, you know, especially in this virtual meeting, virtual workplace environment, the way you bifurcate that really, um, when you look at it from a security standpoint, um, there's, you know, there's the external, you know, the sign of sort of externalities of the meeting itself, the things we've talked about thus far, like, you know, requiring authentication, you know, requiring a lobby, um, obviously, you know, making sure that, you know, maybe communications are encrypted. Um, there's the DLP aspect, I think, from a security standpoint, you want to make certain that, you know, you, you are maintaining visibility 
um, enforcing controls around um, things like sharing passwords. So, you know, there is a data loss prevention uh, prevention element in there, protection element in there. And from a comp compliance standpoint, um, you know, that's interesting because I think, you know, uh, you know, the regulatory environment matters, the geography matters, you know, so things like privacy come into play. Um, from a, you know, financial services element, which, as I mentioned, is an area we really uh, tread heavily in and have, you know, a lot of very uh, large banks uh, that we're working with today as customers, you know, they're looking for particulars, right? They're looking for explicit risk elements related to, uh, you know, if you're talking about a broker dealer, you know, from a compliance standpoint, they're looking for red flags around uh, anything related to, you know, stock trades and, you know, potential fraud, puffery, inflating the value uh, of a stock, um, you know, sharing insider information, um, earnings releases, anything in, in a lot, all of that is language related, right? So here, you know, you're really looking at, and, and both elements, I'd say both security and compliance share this, the volume of data is so massive and the velocity of it is occurring across so many modalities. You know, we haven't even really talked about that element today, which is we're talking about text, we're talking about voice, we're talking about video, um, not just chat, right? And so organizations are overwhelmed on both the security and compliance front. So the only way to really overcome that, what we do is use assistive artificial intelligence. We use machine learning and natural language processing, which gives you the ability to do pattern recognition um, and look for you know, either behaviors, you know, particularly on the security front where you might identify a change in behavior and behavior analysis, um, you know, turning on a recording, turning it off, you know, um, upticks in usage patterns, you know, weekend versus uh, workday after hours versus typical work hours. Um, you can look at, you know, assistive AI from that perspective, but then also on the compliance and language front, right? Behavioral analysis and compliance enforcement, you know, they're so variable, right? So there's no way that humans can review that at any sort of scale without, uh, or at least effectively and sincerely, um, you know, without what we call assistive AI. So, you know, using that sort of pattern recognition, machine learning, natural language pro processing gives you the ability uh, to uncover, detect risk, you know, whether it's, you know, policy violations related to language, um, you know, everything from hate speech to sexism to, again, things that, you know, are germane, particularly to financial services. Um, it's just a lot. And um, I think, you know, we're starting to see that, you know, manifest itself again, you know, three years after sort of the heavy explosion and adoption of this great technology in all of these platforms. Yeah, it's it's that opens up a whole nother like can of worms when you start monitoring this the you know the communications between individuals and obviously from a compliance issue if you're talking about insider trading 
or anything that violates you know any of the the, the regulations for that industry you you want to monitor that but when you get into things like um hate speech or um you know you you said sexist sexist comments then that opens up a whole nother can of worms of you know how do you define that right and uh, so I, and I, you know and I know that this is um, for all of us as a as a as a culture as a you know as an industry it's all a work in in progress and we're in we're kind of kind of figuring things out as we go but back to the first example where if somebody you know is sharing insider information that's just black and white you know you can't you know you you can't do that. Absolutely. But I got it. Users know that they're being monitored, right? When you sign, yeah. when you take, you know, when you become a broker dealer and a trader, you know that you know you're using monitored communications. It's not a surprise. Yeah, um, and and, and yeah. it's just like the whole thing that you should always assume that you're breached, you know. And I always, I, I would think that most people in, the, in that situation would assume that they're being monitored, even if they have explicitly can't recall being informed that I would just think that anytime that you're using any device at all that has, you know, even if it's your own device, but as long it's as it's right there often in a lot of corporate, you know, end user license agreements, when you sign on to your OS every day, it's often staring you right there in the face, right? Yeah. So that, that, which may, leads me to believe that if somebody was doing something, you know, illegal, that they probably wouldn't use, you know, they would, I would think they would speak in some type of code. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so then how, you know, how do you kind of ferret that out and say, oh, oh you know, right what? Yeah. 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 So historically, um, you know, what, what was happened in the industry and, and we'll, we'll talk about financial services because they have such a rich history in this area um, is that, you know, from a compliance review standpoint, firms would look for, they'd create a lexicon right? They'd create a lexicon of terms, you know, um, that could be jargon, that could be, again, speaking in code. Uh, the classic one that, you know, I think has been bandied about for 20 years now is let's do lunch, you know, something like that, um, you know, that would show up as a red flag and of terms, which again, has to be continually updated, right? So, you know, that's, that's one piece. And I think a lot of organizations historically have failed in that. They'd, they'd work tirelessly, they'd establish a lexicon. Maybe they worked with a firm that specialized in this and adopted sort of a template, you know, to build their lexicon in their, in their particular vertical. And then they'd combine it with um, a random sampling method. So, you know, this has its roots in email, right? Looking at email communications and monitoring email communications, you'd combine this lexicon and then you'd randomly sample some number anywhere, you know, between one to 5% of your total volume of communications of your monitored users, right? So not even, you know, not even the, obviously not everyone in the firm, you know, if you're talking about a large global uh, multinational financial services firm, that could still encompass quite a number of, of monitored users. And then you'd go through and you'd review all of that. Now, you know, that was an approach that, and, and by the way, an approach that's still in place. And when we work with our customers, um, some may choose to still use that approach and supplement it with what we're doing. So we offer that, um, that traditional approach, but the assistive sort of artificial intelligence enhanced approach is going to accompany that. And 
that's where you have the ability, you know, both from a data, you know, a data hygiene standpoint and updating your data, you know, crypto is a great example of a term that's changed over the years. If you look at crypto, um, 12, 15 years ago, you were talking about cryptography. If you were looking for crypto today in a broker dealer conversation, it's probably going to come up hundreds of thousands of times on a daily basis around the world at a minimum, right? And meaning something else. Um, with, you know, sort of AI and, and, you know, particular machine learning and NLP, you have the ability to start to build that pattern recognition and have a, a living, breathing taxonomy over time that's constantly adaptive and responsive and can maneuver and execute at a much greater um, pace than, than humans, right? I mean, it's meant to assist, you know, a compliance reviewer. It's not going to do, you know, we're not, we're not quite in, in future world where, um, you know, we're just doing this all in an AI automated um, approach, but it's heavily assistive to helping those compliance teams um, really make faster decisions about risk and potential risk and whether something, an interaction, a conversation, a chat dialogue requires more, more investigation or needs to be flagged, um, you know, immediately. So that's where we see the, the change today and, and how that really works. You know, it's really marrying the old way with, you know, what's the art of what's possible today. Um, and it's something I think organizations, you know, probably five or six years ago, they weren't as ready for that, but we're way past, um, you know, we're way past the adoption of artificial intelligence in the, in the enterprise being, you know, a new thing. Um, it's, it's something that's really embedded more and more now, right? You know, you don't, and especially with the technologies that are available, you know, everyone doesn't need to be a data scientist to make this work. We certainly don't. We, we offer 85 out of the box detections and classifications um, so that you can start using them to detect risk and policy and security, you know, violations out of the box. Yeah. I, I mean, I hear what you're saying. I mean, it's basically, it's impossible to use old practices to keep up with, you know, the number of platforms, but also just the the volume of traffic and the ways that these platforms are being used. Um, it, it, you know, you just can't do it. So you do need some type of automated tool. Um, but let me ask you, so so how do you roll your solutions out? What's involved? How complicated is it? How simple is it? Well, uh, for us, it's really quite simple. We we are very fortunate um, in terms of the the establishment of Theta Lake and and who our our venture partners are and and investors are. We are supported by uh, the majority of you know leading collaboration platforms today. So everyone from um, Zoom to WebEx to Salesforce with Slack to Ring Central, um, as well as you know personal investors from Microsoft uh, that are that are part of Microsoft. Um, all have a hand in the, the funding and establishment of Theta Lake. 
So those are also not only our investors, but as you can imagine, our technology partners. So it gives us a tremendous advantage from a direct connect API driven approach where we work with those product teams and really, you know, through those API integrations um, are able to execute really quickly. So time to value is fast. Deployment, you know, with where we are today uh, from a SaaS standpoint, um, again, rapid adoption, uh, rapid deployment. You know, we also support um, anybody's ecosystem. So one of the things that I think compliance organizations and IT organizations grapple with in the legacy market is that it's a, you know, really a one directional conversation. The providers would say, we support, we support cloud, but it's our cloud. Um, you know, we support a communication system, but we're going to have to build the integration. Um, we have all of the APIs with these ecosystems. And from a infrastructure standpoint, you can use our storage environment, you know, which could be AWS or Azure, or you can bring your own storage and bring your own key from a security standpoint. So we're here to help organizations leverage their own existing infrastructure and investments and fit into those rather than, you know, really create another silo and another, you know, an, another environment. Um, it's really a case of fitting in and, and supporting those existing investments. Um, so very quick time to value. Excellent. You know, one of the concerns that any CISO or CTO has is that, you know, they're typically for any Fortune 500 company working with, you know, 70 to 80 different security uh, products and vendors. And there, you know, there, there seems to be a, a consensus that it would be good to kind of um, consolidate or uh, reduce that number because every time that you have different systems working together, there's, you know, there's seams not uh, that um, may be exploited. So I'm, I'm just curious from what you see, what are the, you know, top one or two concerns that your potential customers or your customers have when you have an initial conversation with them um, in regards to deploying, you know, your yeah. solution? Great question. Um, you know, so I think organizations and, and you know, this, this builds on what you just asked, right? Which is how do we get started? Um, how fast can you, you know, deliver value? What we see with our customers is they look to start small, you know, um, and by that, I mean, they're looking to solve for a particular content or modality type. So they're looking to solve for chat in Microsoft Teams. They're looking to solve risk and problems around, you know, potential problems around WhatsApp usage. Um, so they, they're typically starting in a compartmentalized way, which again, accelerates, you know, deployment, time to value, all of those things. Now, what they're looking at for the long term and where they, they make those decisions to answer your, your second question is they are looking at, you know, what else can I do? You know, I'm solving for um, chat today in Cisco WebEx, but what if I decide to start recording video or what if I want to start recording video later on? Can the provider do that? Um, you know, maybe I'm starting with email today because, you know, we need to get a better sense of traditional email 
communications. Maybe they're not growing, but it's still widely used. Um, and then they want to look at that, you know, how would I evolve that to support chat or video or voice? So they're certainly looking at, you know, kind of the totality, all of the different modalities, voice, video, text, all of the different platforms. We're going to, one of the things we're seeing in, you know, in our survey was, organizations are, they are streamlining their platform choices, but they're still looking at a multi-platform approach, still looking at a best of breed approach. Um, the other thing that's come out of that and, you know, speaks to this also is just the meshing of application usage. So you might be in a Slack um, and hit the Zoom button in Slack. How do you, you know, <laughs> how in the past, how would you have prepared for that, right? You're right. going from chat to instant video, right? Um, you know, you can do the same thing in Microsoft. I mean, you can basically open video within Microsoft Teams chat, right? So they've got their eye on the future and they're recognizing that this is a evolving, you know, while it's happened quickly the last two to three years, it's an evolution, right, in the way that they work. And they recognize that security, the security threat landscape is widening. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the vectors are increasing and they've got to be prepared. And so they're looking from a solution provider standpoint. They're not looking for a, you know, kind of small ball, narrow minded, you know, a, a narrow and focused offering. They're looking for something that has potential long term. Great. Hey, last question. Where should, you know, any any CISOs who are listening, where should they go to find out best practices related to the use of these different platforms that we've been discussing? I mean, is there is there a definitive site that you or organization that you follow uh, that, you know, says, hey, th these are these are some of the, the, the major concerns, but here are also some of the best practices. Yeah, well, I'm, you know, I'm a little biased. I'm a, a two-time Gartner analyst, but I, I do believe heavily in, in lever. I think the analyst firms are great at that. Um, yeah. They, you know, they have kind of, a, they have an impartiality and they're learning all of the time. So they're the ones talking to organizations on a daily basis, you know, really um getting 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 a constant feedback loop from you know thousands of organizations per year and they're they're an intermediary between the vendors who certainly know a lot as well um and then they're sort of an arbiter between between those two uh those two segments so you know, i think the analyst firms are are getting really good at that um and and have been um so always always recommend them awesome well, hey, Garth, I uh, really enjoyed this conversation, and I, I think it's super, super relevant to all of us, um, individuals and companies. Obviously, you know, your your platform is, is um, tailored for organizations, but all, all everybody needs to be aware of the security risks uh, related to the use of these collaboration platforms. Um, so thank you for that. Last thing, if if anybody wants to get more information about Theta Lake, um, I'm assuming they go to your website. Any specific uh, page you'd like to re recommend? Uh, no, I mean, they can just come to ThetaLake.com and, you know, they can start to look at, um, they can always look at, schedule a demo. They can, you know, download a white paper. Uh, they can give us a chat and uh, look forward to hearing from them. So thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. It was a pleasure to meet you and really enjoyed our conversation today. Likewise, Garth. Thank you very much.
Thank you. Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance.